Well, thank you, worship team and worship choir, for leading us in praise and worship this morning. You all get better each and every week. Thank you so much for preparing my heart to preach, and I'm so grateful for you and all that you do. I'm also thankful to spend this day with you. So thank you for being here today. If you're online, we appreciate you tuning in, and it is my joy to be with you as well. Take your Bible and turn to John 15 this morning as you are making your way to John. I want to point you once again to our bulletin to make sure you're grabbing that from the seat back in front of you and slipping that in your Bible or your purse and just keeping track of it throughout the week just for upcoming events and announcements, things to register for. Also on the back side, there's a place to take notes. But the most important part of our bulletin is our printed prayer list. And so we want to encourage you as our church family to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And you see those names listed there. I have two that I want to add to our list this morning. One goes by the name of Titus. This is Tina Ely's nephew. He has a minimal change disease, which is a, an issue with the kidneys. So be praying for Titus. And then the second addition is Jerry Shellhorn. This is Lloyd's brother. He has stomach cancer and he's waiting a surgery at Akron General Hospital. So be praying for those two and all the others on our prayer list. Let's pray for them right now as we get started together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for this time that we've had together to worship, to sing praises to your name, to hear your written word read. Lord, we're grateful and thankful for the freedom that we have to stand and to sing and to praise and to honor your name publicly. God, we're grateful for your word that is unchanging. We're also grateful for your spirit that lives inside of us. And we're grateful for the power that you have to heal all sickness and disease and hurt. And Lord, we're grateful for your hand on the lives of all of your people. But God, we pray for these on our prayer list this, this morning specifically. And you know every name. You know every situation. You know every hurt. You know everything that is needed. So God, we pray for these people. We pray for the additions. We, we pray that your power would, would fill them. Lord, that you would heal them. Lord, that you would help them as they continue to navigate whatever it is that they're finding themselves in. Lord, we just pray that your spirit would comfort them, that the body of Christ, your people, would love them and support them well. Lord, we're so grateful that you love us and that you care for us, that you give us a reason to live, you give us a reason to have hope beyond this life, a life that is filled with joy and abundance in a place called heaven. Lord, we're so grateful that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for our sins so that we could be restored and redeemed and received back into your loving care. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room today that does not know you as their Savior, that today your spirit would draw them to yourself, Lord, and that they would be saved. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, four weeks ago we started this year with a new theme and a new focus called Abide. Live connected to the vine. That Jesus is the true source of life and joy and hope and peace. That he is everything to us, or he should be everything to us. And that is the goal for this whole theme and this whole series and this whole focus for 2021, that we would, that we would stay connected to him at all times and through all circumstances. So far, we have found that when we are connected to the vine, we will bear fruit. That was our challenge from part one three, four weeks ago now. That we have to stay plugged in and not disconnect from the source of life. And last week we learned that God 
will prune us if we're not bearing fruit, and that he does that to help us bear better fruit. That gardeners prune branches that are not bearing fruit. Now, if you missed any of those sermons, we would encourage you to go back and listen to those and catch up. You can find them at mywhbc.com. That'll let you know where we are and what we've covered so far in this series. So if you have your place there in John 15, we're going to read our key set of verses again together, which is verses 1 through 11. If you've been memorizing those, uh, I would encourage you to continue that and put these verses into practice each and every day. So John writes as Jesus speaks, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. How many of you have ever felt worthless or useless? You know that feeling that you have when, when, you've, when you have important things to do, but you decided to do something else? You know that feeling. You just, you just can feel worthless in some of those moments. Maybe you, you stayed in bed too late, or you loafed around on the couch all morning, or you, you found yourself scrolling through social media way too long. Or when an opportunity has passed you by and you, you missed it because of procrastinating, or because of other insignificant things that take up so much of your time. We've all been there, I think. And it's in those moments that you wanted to do something significant, but the insignificant had more appeal. It's a battle, it's a fight in all of our minds, I think. This feeling of being useless, it it shows up in those moments when you've hurt someone that you love because you're stressed by all the things that are going on in your life. Maybe it shows up when you make a mistake at work and you you let your boss down, or when you miss an important moment in the life of a loved one. You feel that that guilt and that shame and just that, that feeling of, I feel so worthless and useless in this moment. And those are some, those are some real life examples, and maybe you could insert your own example into my illustrations today. I don't know, but, but what about the spiritual things? You know that you should read your Bible, but but Instagram just pulls you in. You, you know that you should share the gospel with someone or share the gospel with your one, but 
you chose to complain about someone to them instead and compromising your testimony. Or you know that you should serve the Lord in some capacity, but you choose to ignore that leading. Or you know that you should give, but you, you have so much debt and you are so stretched financially that it just seems impossible. We have those feelings, and that's when the guilt sets in, and, and those feelings of worthlessness, they creep in. As a result, though, often, we do nothing. We make excuses, and we continue to waste time on the insignificant. But I don't want to make you feel terrible just about yourself this morning, because I believe that there is something else at play in those moments. I personally believe that, that God's enemy, Satan, is in all of those feelings. That he is in those moments. That, not that social media is, is Satan's tool. Now, we could debate that, honestly, today. But I'm not saying that social media is Satan's tool. Or that wanting to please your boss at work, that that's a bad thing. But John 10 tells us that that we have an enemy, and he is real, and he is active, and he has come for a specific reason. Jesus actually said he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's pretty serious language. That enemy is real. He's real today, and he was real then. Paul tells us that in Ephesians that he is, he is shooting uh, fiery arrows or darts at you. Now that will scare some of us, and it should. They're not literal arrows, obviously. But they come at us in different forms. And you've all felt that in your life. And they're coming your way to distract you, to make you feel worthless and useless, and to keep you from abiding in Christ and making much of his name, which is the goal in all of this. You see, Satan wants you to feel worthless, pointless, useless, and insignificant. Remember that he has nothing else to do. He has nothing else to accomplish with his days and his hours. He's not making dinner. He's not folding the clothes. He's not going to work. He's not fixing the vehicles. He's not keeping the house clean. That's not what Satan's doing. No, he is very active and he has a job and he's trying to keep you from abiding in Christ and living this spiritual life that God would want you to live and to keep you from spending your life on significant things in your life. He's a pro. He's a master at his craft, and he can use anything, anything physically available to him, or even our own sin nature. You see it all throughout the Bible, Satan's work in the lives of God's people. So as we talk about abiding, we can't afford to forget that we have this evil, supernatural force at work in the day-to-day. -day. Now that's, that's depressing, but it's just true. It's a reality, and you can't stick your head in the sand and believe that that's not really happening or going on around us. And so in this series, we've been talking about this process or this idea of bearing the right kind of fruit. Jesus is saying to us in our key text here this morning, and, and of course I'm paraphrasing here, but he's saying that there isn't anything more worthless than a fruit branch that isn't bearing any fruit. But we can bear fruit when we stay connected to the source of life. And his name 
is the name that is above every name. His name is Jesus. And so I want to ask you to consider, to consider this this morning. How would you rate yourself in the produce department? Are you someone who is, you find yourself, you're just bearing absolutely no fruit? Maybe that's the category you're in. Maybe you're in the second one, that you are, you're bearing just a little bit of fruit. Teeny weeny little bit. Or you're bearing more fruit. Or the fourth category, you're bearing a whole bunch, a basket full, a bushel, and a peck full of fruit. Like you're overflowing with fruit. If you answered yes to the first one, are you bearing no fruit? Thank you for being honest. Many find themselves in that place. You could be dealing with, with things like apathy, just being lazy, or you could be, just be plain unaware as to, as to what you should be doing as a Christ follower. Maybe you're a new Christian and you haven't learned how to do all of the Christian stuff yet, and that's okay, because you can grow, you can get stronger, and you can bear Christ-honoring fruit. Maybe you're in the, I'm just bearing some fruit, but you know that you could be doing so much better. In your mind, you know you just, you just, you're just doing the bare minimum. You've got the bare, just the bare minimum going on. And many Christians fall into that category. So if you're there, join the club. So many are right there with you. The third category is, is a better place to be. And it's that category of where you're, you're bearing, you're bearing a, more fruit than you used to. And you know it. And you're starting to get excited about it. And you should be. But could you ask yourself the question, is it possible that, that I, can I grow more? And what steps do I need to take to bear more fruit? And then there are the people who are bearing a whole bunch of fruit. Fruit is just overflowing in your life because you want to do nothing more than bear fruit that shows the world who you're plugged into and who is producing that fruit in you. That you want people to see you and wonder what makes you different. Like, why are you so joyful? Why do you not fear things like disease and death? Why is your outlook on life laser-focused on things that have eternal value? In fact, you're bearing so much fruit that you are discipling someone else so they can walk side by side with you who models Jesus. That's where I want to be. This is where I want to live. And I hope that you do too. And I hope this series is inspiring you and encouraging you and challenging you to bear more fruit. But one thing is certain. It won't just happen. You're not just going to wake up on Monday morning and start bearing fruit. You see, when we are in a relationship with the, the, the Savior, this process of bearing more or much fruit, it's absolutely possible, but He doesn't force this on us in any way. We get to choose whether we want to abide in Him and bear righteous fruit. You get to decide tomorrow if you're going to wake up and read your Bible and pray and ask God to fill you in the moments of your day. You get to make that decision. Or... You can choose to listen to the enemy's voice, and you can be distracted by insignificant things. You get to make that decision. 
And when we make the choice to abide in him, this fruit bearing is a beautiful thing. But it is something that God produces based on our connection. But it won't happen if we're not abiding in the vine. It doesn't mean that we'll always get it right. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make a mistake here and there or that we won't fall off the wagon from time to time or that we're going to have this perfect track record of consistency every day. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that we have a regular, habitual effort of consciously staying connected to the vine. Now, there are some repeated themes as you have probably noticed here in John 15. We have covered many of those themes several times in the last three weeks, and and we're going to repeat several of them again this morning. Jesus, I think he knows that some of us are not as smart as others, and we may need to hear some of these things again and again and again. But I think we can stand to hear them over and over. So look at verses 4 and 5 again. If you already closed your Bible, they'll be on the screen. He says, Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what are some examples of fruit that we can bear? Thank goodness we don't have to guess this morning. God tells us about This fruit that we should be bearing in several different New Testament passages. In fact, Paul gives us a specific but not exhaustive list in Galatians chapter 5. We went through that this past year. It's going to be on the screen. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Peter writes in 2 Peter a few more. He says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing Measure, could insert fruit bearing status here. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, we cannot produce those things on our own. God produces those things in us. And for me, the most important part of verse 4 is apart from me, You can do nothing. We talked about this in week one, that that we can accomplish some good things on our own. Like, even unbelievers can be kind, and they can be compassionate, but it will always be lacking in something apart from Jesus. In fact, all of those things that we just mentioned, they have greater meaning to us because of Jesus. You see, our abiding produces fruit that brings him honor and glory, and it points others back to him and not us. Psalm 115 reminds us of this. Not to us, O Lord, but to your name be glory forever. Branches 
cannot bear fruit apart from the vine. As this relates to us, we are branches and we are useless apart from Christ. Now, there is not a single piece of of good fruit in me on my own. Nothing that I do pleases the Father on my own. It must be a result of my abiding in and my connection to Jesus. Here's how the Apostle Paul taught this concept to the church in Colossians. He says in in Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We bear fruit when we are filled with his wisdom and his knowledge. It's the only way. We are, we are withered branches apart from Christ. Look at verse 6 here in John 15. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So when John writes that these branches are gathered and, and they're, they're, they're thrown into the fire, he's not talking about people being cast into eternal damnation in a place called hell. Remember that this is, a, this is a gardening example. This is an illustration for the disciples. That just like a gardener will throw a worthless branch or, or he throws worthless brush in the brush pile to be burned, John is making it clear that followers who do not abide and bear fruit have become useless. That if we don't abide in him, we are, we are useless and we will have the same non-value As a withered branch. And so if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. Don't be a withered branch. You don't want to be a withered branch. There is no life in the branch apart from the vine. It gets all the nutrients that it needs to thrive and survive from there. So let's think back to that brush pile that I just mentioned a moment ago. I have never once cut a limb off of a tree and thrown it on the brush pile and later went back and found it with brand new leaves on it. It's dead. And the same goes for us. The fruit that we want to bear, it will never exist without the life-giving support of the vine. But what compromises our effectiveness in fruit-bearing? What is it that makes us useless, and how do, we, how do we get to this state of being useless in the vine? What gets in the way of us bearing the right kind of fruit? And there are several things. If I had a whiteboard, we could begin writing them on the stage right now. We could write out all the things, but I think it really boils down to, for me, two things. One is not groundbreaking, and the other one shouldn't be, but it doesn't get mentioned very often. And the first one is that three-letter word called sin. It gets in the way. 
Hebrews 12 reminds us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I love that image that the writer of Hebrews gives us here. Don't get entangled in sin. Have you ever been entangled in sin? It's not a great place to be. And nothing is going to rob you of kingdom usefulness and bearing fruit like sin will. Some of our biggest frustrations in this life come during seasons of entanglement in that thing called sin. And we will always fight on this side of eternity our sin nature, but that doesn't mean we have to surrender to it or that we have to be stuck in it. 1 John 3 says, You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Verse 6, No one abides no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. If you truly know Jesus, the continuation, the habitual lifestyle of sin will be a very difficult thing for you to participate in. The Holy Spirit that, that, is, that is with you and in you will not let those things happen without conviction. That if you sin today, if you find yourself in a consistent sin pattern and you feel nothing, that should concern you. That should worry you this morning. You should stop right now and get saved. Because you need the Savior if you feel nothing at all. You don't have to take my word for it. Just read the book of 1 John. He lays it out for us. Proverbs 6 also gives us a wonderful description of a worthless person. The writer says, A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore calamity will come upon him suddenly, in a moment, he will be broken down beyond healing. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Those are just a few markers of someone who is not abiding continually in Christ. But I love how Hebrews 12 finishes with a good focus point. The writer says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, and this is the key line, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Fix our eyes on Jesus and stay connected to him. Finish the race that he has called us all to, and that he has marked out for us. Another hindrance for our abiding is a lack of concern for eternal things. A, a temporal, worldly focus could be inserted here. Jesus said to seek first his kingdom in Matthew chapter 5. You see, spending all of our affections and all of our efforts on building our own kingdom will always result 
in our disconnection from the vine. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have dreams. It doesn't mean that we don't have desires. It doesn't mean that we don't work hard. We don't do things to the best of our ability for his honor and for his glory. Or that we can't feel passionately about parts of our lives while we're living here on this planet. But it does mean that we don't live for those things exclusively. We are surrounded by opportunities each and every day to invest in the kingdom of God. What are some of those opportunities? Well, one would be sharing the gospel. Maybe it's caring for the poor. Maybe it's, it's praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe it's, it's, it's spending some time praying for that person in the cubicle next to you. Maybe it's, it's loving and discipling our, our children or giving our time and our resources to, for kingdom work. You see, so many in our church family are doing this and doing such a wonderful job. That makes me so happy as a senior pastor. I am filled with joy, as Paul would write to the churches that he started. I, as a pastor, I am overflowing with joy that so many of you are doing those things. You have your one. You're sharing the gospel relentlessly. You're praying for your brothers and sisters. You're, you're working, and you're serving, and you're giving, and you are all in for kingdom work. That is the coolest pleasure that I have as a senior pastor. But we could all agree that no matter where we are, maybe we could do just a little bit better. Once again, we have to come back to the basics. I told you that when we started this series that I wasn't going to share anything with you that wasn't, that was groundbreaking. I've said nothing new. But I need to hear it over and over and over again. And maybe Jesus repeated this theme of bearing fruit over and over again because he knew that the disciples were going to struggle just like you and I. And they needed to be reminded over and over again. We simply remain connected to him. And we only know him through his word and through the Spirit's work in our hearts and our minds. You see, fruit will never exist without the life-giving support of the vine. If you're a person who loves checklists, some of you, used to just, you just got anxious, like you just, your heart started beating fast with just the thought of a checklist. Some of us find great comfort in checklists. If you want an official assignment on better ways to bear fruit, it's not that hard. Just read Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. And 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 8, every single day. And it will be the grandest reminder of what it looks like to bear fruit each and every day. For the Christian, remain in Christ. Abide in Him. But maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're watching online today. And you don't, you don't know the Savior that you don't know the true vine. And here's what needs to happen. You must believe that he is the son of God and be saved. 1 John 4.15 says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Jesus was divine. He was God in the flesh. And we have to hear and believe that Jesus is the true vine, the source of life. And the only way that 
the only one who could redeem your life from sin's curse and penalty is God himself. That's why he came. So be saved. Be born again. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So if you're here today, and if you're watching online right now, and you have, you have never heard that God, the one who created you and gave you physical life, sent his son to this earth, his name is Jesus, and he bore the penalty for your sins on the cross, he died for them, and he offers you new life in him because he conquered sin, death, and the grave, and he rose victorious over them. The penalty for sin is spiritual death. Being separated from God forever in a place called hell. A place created for Satan and his demons. It's the eternal destination for all who do not believe. We have all, we all come into this lifetime separated from him. And apart from us placing our faith and trust in him, we cannot be saved. So right now, right where you sit, if you're driving down the road, you can admit to God that you're a sinner. And you can repent of that sin, and you can call on his name, and he promises to save you. And do that. Please do that. And I would love to know, and so at the end of this service, if that was you, if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning, find me at the door. I'd love to talk to you about what this relationship with Jesus Christ looks like and how fulfilling it really is. As the musicians make their way to the platform, I want to close by saying when you are saved, His Spirit, it moves in and it gives you the strength to abide in Him. But the best part is that we get to spend eternity in heaven with him and every other believer in that amazing heaven that he's preparing for us right now. And so if you just called on Jesus to save you, you get to go there. And if you are a Christian, the challenge is the same this week as it was last week and the week before that and the week before that. That is that we will live to bear the right kind of fruit. Because fruit will never exist without the life-giving support of the vine. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful this morning for Jesus. God, we are so thankful for the hope that we have in Him. God, we are so thankful that You have saved us, that you've redeemed us, and you've given us new life. God, I pray that you would fill each and every person in this room that knows you with your spirit today. That we would be overflowing with fruit. And God, you already know where each and every one of us find ourselves today. You know our struggles, you know our challenges. You know the things that we're, we're navigating that are, are causing us or distracting us from bearing the right kind of fruit. And so God, I pray that your spirit and your word would change us and shape us and mold us today. God, I pray for that person that's here today that doesn't know you as their savior. God, I pray that they would not wait. That they would listen to your word as it speaks to their heart. 
and that they would be saved, that they would know you and serve you and follow you. So God, help us to bear fruit that honors you. Help us to live for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.